Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. Irene, the church gossip and self-appointed monitor of the church's morals, kept sticking her nose into other people's business. Several members did not approve of her extracurricular activities, but feared her enough to maintain their silence. She made a mistake, however, when she accused George, a new member, of being an alcoholic after she saw his old blue pickup parked in front of the town's only bar one afternoon. In an empathetic manner, she told George and several others that everyone seeing it there would know exactly what he was doing. George, a man of few words, stared at her for a few moments and just turned and walked away. He didn't explain, defend, or deny. He said nothing. Later that evening, George quietly parked his blue pickup in front of Irene's house, walked home and left it there all night. (laughs) I pray we never have Irene's in our church. I pray that we have a church that sees the best in people, that believes in people and, and backs people. And I don't know about you, but I, I've grown up in church. I think my mother gave birth to me in church. I feel like I was born in church. I feel like my first words were Kura Bamba I grew up in church. Church was everything. I've told these stories before, but for my sixth birthday, my father bought me an overhead projector from Ian Zerner's church and, uh, and, and burnt our house down. But I played church. Other kids were being normal. I was playing church in the house. I'd line up the bears, lay hands on them. They'd fall down in the spirit. And I'd lead them in choruses. I'd have friends over and, and we'd get, uh, I'd get Panadol and iced Vovos because that's all we had for communion. We'd run out of Ribena. So I'd ho- hold up the Panadol and I'd say, friends, there's healing in this cup this morning. And so that was, that was my life. If you're a pastor's kid, bath time was time to practice baptisms. I don't know if, you, if anyone can ever relate to that. And, and so growing up in church, I learned to love church. Church was home. Church was familiar. Church was a, a real place where uh, I knew that the presence presence of God uh, would come and visit my life. And I plan to raise my kids the same way with a love for the house of God. But I want to say this as I'm going forward, church to me uh, is far more about you than it is about this organization. And while we need organizations to make things work, uh, I don't just preach the church local and not global. I believe they both work together. And I think when we overemphasize one, we, we start controlling people and we start telling people how they should be to a point that uh, that they they get owned by a church, but when we start thinking just global and and this this nebulous kind of unexplainable organism called the church, there's zero accountability. There's nothing to put your life into. To me, the beautiful balance is a local and a global church. I th- and, and when a local church starts slamming the global church, get out of that church. And when the global church starts. saying the local church means nothing. The global church is speaking outside of its own authority. It's a beautiful system where God created both. In scripture, there's 112 mentions, there's no, sorry, there's 100 mentions of church. 12 times it's global, uh, 88 times it's local. He wrote to local churches. And and so I'm a big believer in the local church. I love the local church, but we've got to have the balance right. What's the nature of the church? What's the purpose of the church? Why do we gather? And is is it important to gather? Can I just have church at home? Can I have church on the backyard smoking a pipe. 
Sounds like a good church to me. Uh, I'll go to that church and be part of it with Keith Moody and I are starting that church. It's starting tonight. It's at his porch in, in uh, Windsor Gardens. It's going to be a great time. It's the Peace Pipe Assembly of God's Tabernacle of Righteousness. We're going to have a good time together. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, let's have a look at verse 13 if we can. Who do men say that I am? Son of man am. Some say John the Baptist, they replied. Some say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, one of the more, one or more of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? I don't care what the rest of the world. I don't care what everyone else is saying. I'm talking to you today. It's almost like that here today. I want to talk to us. I want to, I want to know what you think. I want to speak into maybe what you're believing. Who, who do, who do you say that I am? And, and, and they said, they said, Peter answered. And he said, you are the Christ. You got to hand it to Peter. He didn't always win, but this day he was having a win. He said, you are the Christ. You're the son of God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Peter, or Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. For I say to you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, Peter, some people call him the first pope. The pope is not the one that the church is built on. It's built on the revelation that Jesus is the son of God. And I can tell you right now, I've always been a believer that there shouldn't be a mediator between us and God. We've got direct access by Jesus into the presence of God. The Pope doesn't save us. Uh, people can't save us. The only one that can save us is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life in the name of Jesus. And I love the church. And the church is a, is, is a, is a pretty incredible organization. Some people hate on the church. Oh, you know, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Can I say, someone came up to me and said, I love you, Dave. Donna's on the nose. I would say, we're probably not going to be friends. The church, it has its funkiness. The church, the church doesn't always get it right. You know, I was, I was in India last year and I was having a hoot asking people about their arranged marriages because, you know, in Australia, we sort of pick the girl we like and hope for the best. Over there, mum and dad would hang with mum and dad and they pick... You know, I want to do that. You are going to. They, they pick, you know, they, they have it all sorted. And uh, I wasn't, uh, obviously, my marriage wasn't arranged. I had to arrange it myself. And so, but do you know, the thing that was amazing is I'd tease them. I'm just, are you serious? Are you? So what happens if you, your mum and dad pick a wife for you and you meet her and you're like, woo, you know. And they're like, I tell you, very, very funny. But then you can see the terror in their eyes. But very bad. Uh, <laughs> I, said, I, said to, I said to these, uh, these guys, I said, so what happens if it goes bad? Apparently there's the power to veto. So you can say to mum and dad, <laughs> no, you know. And it goes both ways. Like the girl could say, oh, I don't know what I, you know, so all that. Technically, Jesus is in an arranged marriage. Because God the Father has sent the Spirit to prepare a bride for Jesus. I wonder if Jesus is going through the same thing sometimes. He's looking over heaven and God's going, hmm, what, do you, what do you think of life point? He's like, hmm. <laughs> Ooh, rough on the eyes. Good cook, but rough on the eyes. I wonder if God looks over, if Jesus looks over heaven and said, look, just put maybe a bit of lippy. I mean, so a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish. 
He's coming back for. I, I pray that we're the kind of church when God's looking over heaven, he's going, well, this is not so bad. This is not so bad at all. But I believe that God is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish. I hear people when they get up and say, we're not going to, the rapture of the church is after the tribulation. I don't believe that at all. I believe it's before because we're a church without spot or wrinkle. Why would God beat his own church before he weds her? That's not what's going to happen. I'm believing that God and this church and us as individuals are going to be who God's called us to be. But I'm a believer in the church. The church is an incredible organization. It's an organization that has hospitals. It has branches in every nation on earth, in nearly every city and every town. It has mechanisms that are feeding the hungry, giving homes to the homeless. Our CEO can cure any incurable disease. We provide life insurance and life assurance. We have publications, award-winning music, box office hit motion pictures. Of course, Left Behind was one of my favorites, especially Left Behind 17. We have global TV networks. We provide marriage stability and family support. Our CEO designed and commissioned the world's first sea vessel, offering behavioral management from cradle to the grave. Our CEO owns a cattle on a thousand hills. His house is pa- and his offices are paved with gold. His gates are of pearl. We have intergalactic travel powered by trumpet. <laughs> we have an army of 2.2 billion. We have our own language that you don't even have to learn. It's directly downloaded through our spirit realm. Uh, it's free to join because the CEO paid the bill. We are completely powered by wind and S-O-N, son. We are the only organization to have intellectual communication. We are called the church and the CEO is the Lord Jesus Christ. What a place to invest. Some of you won't tithe, but you'll invest in stocks and shares. I mean, we've got interests all over the world. You will get a return. Press down, shaking together, running over. How do you like those dividends? We're called the church. We're in a world system of supply and demand, buy and exchange, but God's system is seed, time and harvest. As Layla said, the seed leaves your hand, but it never leaves your life. Let's have a look at another scripture because we're talking about the church this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. We're going to have some fun today. I believe it in Jesus' name. Hebrews 10, even verse 24, it says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25. Look at this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, which is the habit of some. Can I say, the average Christian attends church in Australia, the average committed Christian attends church once a month. You know, we've got crazy people in this church that come nearly every week. Can you believe that? Can you believe that you, most of you are fanatical enough that you'll turn up most Sunday mornings to come to church. What is wrong with you being so against average? You should be coming once a month. I mean, we didn't buy these chairs so you could just sit in them every week. We Once a month. You blow this idea of... Do you know what a commitment we have in our church? I feel like those stats are just not this house. You're amazing. But we bought all these beautiful seats. Quite, how many love them? How many every now and then you just sort of... You just, you just give it a bit of a something, something, you know? Can I, can I tell you something about these seats? I love them. That seat right there, it's empty. Layla's... Uh, clearly not wanting to sit anyone. She's put all of her stuff there so no one else can sit there. But you know one thing about an empty seat? I've never, ever seen an empty seat get saved. Like I, that chair right now is coming under no conviction. 
I know all of you are under heavy conviction. I can just see it all over the guilt and condemnation. And Lord, let it increase. So, no, these seats, help me, Jesus. This seat right here, uh, it's never been saved, never come under conviction. I doubt it's going to get the mighty baptism in the spirit this morning. Seats are good, but empty seats. I like seats with people in it. Because it's a healthy thing when we assemble together. And so I guess the title of my message this morning I've preached along these lines before, but I'm going to reuse the title. It, is not a, it, it isn't the same message. I, I, I really felt like God showed me some things this morning, but I want to use for a subject this morning, some assembly required. I mean, I, the church, really, to be all it can be, we've got to have some assembling together. There's some assembly required. This church is the assembly of God. Not denominationally speaking, you and I are the assembled people coming together today with ultimately one purpose in mind is the exaltation of Jesus Christ. And so when we come together and assemble together, God does supernatural. Have you ever been to Ikea? I love Ikea in theory, but in reality, I loathe Ikea because you can buy great things, but then you've got to make them yourself. And I can tell you, this is what they don't tell you. They're hard to make, but they're even harder to pull apart. I mean, I bought one of those shelves, like those square shelves are like 70 shelves across and 70 high. They're massive. Excuse me. Putting it together was one thing. Pulling apart. I I nearly lost my salvation one day upstairs. I was manifesting things I didn't know were in me. I mean, that, that pulling that thing apart, it was, it was an awful situation. And, and, uh, but I can tell you, there's some good things that you can get from those places, but there's some assembly required. I can tell you, when it comes to church, there's something about assembling together. I'm glad we've assembled today. Nine o'clock we assembled today. We assembled here at 11. God's doing some great, great things here in our church. But there is some things that can only be done when we get together. You say, David, are you preaching a sermon on church attendance? No, I'm not. Because I really don't believe it's a, it's a challenge within this church. You guys are, are amazing. But, but what I do believe is I want you to know a little bit as, as to why assembling together has value. Because sometimes we, we may overlook the beauty of getting together in the house of God. Firstly, I think we've got to get together now and get used to it. Because if we don't figure it out now, our first thousand years in heaven will be miserable because we're going to be stuck together up there. You might go, I'm not going to church. I don't like the people. <laughs> Heaven's going to be fantastic for you. They're all going to be there. Irene as well and George. They're going to be there as well. The church. The church corporately is the assembly. And the assembly is simply when the church assemble. We're assembled together. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. And I want to just give you some thoughts before I get into something I, I, of course, I was going to say I've never preached it before. I have, but like an hour ago, but before that, I never have. But there are, there are some things that happen when we assemble together. Acts 1 and 4 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, Don't depart from Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. And he says, And you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we see just there that the assembling together, when we assemble together, it should be a place of the promises of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I pray, and I think we say it every Sunday at one point or another. God, I pray that this place, people would be aware of the power of the Holy Ghost in this place. We're a Pentecostal church. We believe in Kuraba Talaba Shanda. Does anyone else believe that this morning? 
And, and uh, let's go on. Uh, Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke the word with boldness. A multitude of them that were believers were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the fact of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them. It was a place of power, preaching, and provision. And I'm not deliberately going for peas here. It's just how it's come. A place of promise, a place of power, a place of preaching, a place of provision. And Acts 11.26, it says, he, When he found them, he brought them under Antioch, and it came to pass that in a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. It was a place of teaching, a place of discipleship, and a place of identification. I don't believe we should get our identity uh, by which church we're in, but I definitely says I believe it says a lot about us as to where we plant ourselves and and where we build. It definitely says what we believe and what we're in in uh, in in uh, yeah. And I want to have a look at Acts Acts fifteen. <laughs> Verse 25, it says this, It seemed good unto us being assembled in one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Saul. The assembly should be a place of sending. A place of sending people out. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's amazing how we often preach so many messages about staying and doing stuff here. Lord, I pray, give us a people that would go into this city, that would go into this state, that would go into this nation uh, to see the wonder of heaven. In the name of Jesus, if you believe it, can you say amen? So if then... The assembly is a place of promise, power, preaching, provision, teaching, discipleship, identification, and sending. Then we should assemble together because there's some assembly required. Let's go a bit deeper. This morning, uh, Acts 10, tw- uh, 24 says, don't forsake, not Acts 10, 24, Hebrews 10, uh, 24 and 25. It tells us, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Therefore, if he's saying, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves. Somebody say, ourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, yourself. Say, don't you skip church. We keep a record. We fax it to heaven. (laughs) Assembling yourselves. Ash talked about it so well last week. I want to talk into it a little more. Talking about what kind of church are you? Keith Moody AOG. What kind of church would that be? If I went to the church of Keith Moody, would it be a vibrant church? Would it be an anointed church? I mean, would it, would it, would it be a church where it's, would it be a friendly church? I think it would be. Uh, would it be an encouraging church? I think it would. If I went to the church of Layla Nahavandi, what kind of church would that be? Would it be a soul winning church? I think it would be. I think, I think, would it be a powerful? Yes, I think it would be. If I, if I went to the church of Timothy Minahan, would they have Good internet and Wi-Fi in that church. I believe they would. It would probably crash every day, but when it was on, it would be working fantastic. If I went to the church of Timothy Minahan, would I leave encouraged? Yeah, I would. If I went to the church of Timothy Minahan, would it, would it be a place that makes me feel condemned if I'm not living up to the mark? No, I wouldn't. I pray, every one of you, you're a church. You're a walking church. What kind of church are you? Are you Pentecostal or are you Baptist? Do you run around just dunking people in random bodies of water? Friends, if it's not consensual, that's assault. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're in Odding Church. You just walk around sprinkling random people. No, there it is. What kind of church is the church of Dave Hall? 
Dave Hall Tabernacle International. I reckon, I pray that the church of Dave Hall feels like this. That when you get around me, I'm not different here than I'm in my own church. Church of Donahall. I mean, it's a good looking church. I like going to that church. One of my favorite churches. (laughs) Oh Lord, I'm going to move on. I am moving on. I'll tell you, it's a church of great encouragement. It's a church where they speak life. Church that cares about things. I pray that you as the church, I'm not talking about this, you. I pray that it's blessed and favored. Is it a generous church? It's quite amazing. It's quite amazing to think that some of us, we go, it's not about a local church, it's about a global church. Okay, well, what kind of church are you? Do you have a heart for missions? Do you have a heart for the lost? Do you have a heart for the disenfranchised? Yeah. Many a generous church. I, I pray that the church of Dave Hall, it's not perfect. I mean, we definitely sing country and western in my church. But can I tell you, God, I believe God's hands on my church. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is in my church. I pray that, I pray that your church would be everything God's called her to be. In the name of Jesus. Jesus spoke to seven churches in Revelation. He spoke at the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2. He said that you've forsaken your first love. Has your church ever been through that season? I know mine has. That's why I love the anointing. It brings you right back. The presence of God brings you right back. Let me tell you, just being at those baptisms today. Donna said to me, she said, they weren't just, they, I mean, every baptism is significant. Every single one is significant. One, there's no more powerful baptism than any other. But when you actually look at some of the stories behind these, these are some big wins for the kingdom of God. And we give God praise for that. Come on, let's give God, yeah, good, good. The church at Smyrna. Smyrna sounds like a nice place. Where did he come from? Smyrna. What's it like? It's not great. Church at Smyrna was a church that suffers persecution. These days, we think we're persecuted if we write something totally hostile and unchristian in the name of Jesus on Facebook and then someone has a crack at us. Can I just say, if your pulpit is Facebook, firstly, can I, I'm just saying, I'm your pastor, right? So I get to say some things every now and then. Can you not make me look bad by writing stupid things? Like I read people's Facebook feeds and they're just having a go at people who are in sin or they're calling out people who are gay or they're calling out people who are this and that. Can I just say, have an opinion, but guess what? You'll never have a voice. I'd rather have a voice. And, and, and let me say this, you're never going to see me on my, on, can I say, I'm going to say this though. If there's an issue of the day and you really feel strongly about it and you want to write something about it, uh, by all means, that's, that's up to you. But but make sure you represent Jesus well. It's called social media for a reason. I'm not going to go to dinner with a friend of mine. I'm not going to go to dinner with Dan and Ash and say, man, you're just not living a righteous life enough. You've got to lift the level. The church of Dan and Ash, it's just not up to where it should be. I don't know many people that are actually building church that slam church. The bottom line is, you're not going to be willing to say it to someone's face. Why do you think you just... 
put it out on so it's called social media. It's not anti-social media. Can I say that's good preaching, church? Listen, because I don't, I don't want people to look at life point people as just rude, hostile. I get on some people's Instagrams and Twitters, they just say nasty things. Jesus' Twitter wouldn't be like that. It's like just, you just, all he wants you to do is follow him on social media. And then you. <laughs> and some of you, you've unfollowed, and he's got the app, he knows. That's a bad unfollow, I'll tell you right there. The church at Pergamum, the church that needed to repent. Does your church need to repent? Maybe. Church at Thyatira had a false prophetess. Does your church have wrong voices speaking into its life? Church at Sardis, church had fallen asleep. Maybe you need to come back to some spiritual vibrancy in your life again. The church at Philadelphia. God said, you're eating too much cheese. He said, I don't have it. He said, he said, he never said that. He said, he's actually happy with them. He said, you've endured patiently. What's your endurance like in your church? Some of your churches have started real well. Church at Taylor Bowen. I pray that it doesn't just start as well as it's starting, but I pray it finishes strong. I, pray, I believe it is going to. I believe it's going quite well church at Laodicea, they had lukewarm faith. I feel like that's always a word for us. Lord, let us not be, let, let, let not the church of Dave Hall be lukewarm. I had coffee on the way to church today. Donna and I had a bad coffee experience this morning. Oh, I'm not happy about it. it was, the second one, she had to go back and get a new one and they asked if it was okay and she said, no, they gave it Mine was lukewarm. I wanted to spew it out of my mouth. Some of you that don't know the scripture too well are thinking, what is wrong with him? If you know scripture, you know I'm very, just very deep. And Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. I've got an iced coffee waiting for me after this service. I'm looking forward to that. I like a hot coffee. I don't want a lukewarm coffee. I don't want lukewarm anything. I, I, want, I want our church. I don't want this to be a lukewarm church. And I don't want you to be a lukewarm church. Unless your name's Luke. That's fair. We'll give you a pass. <laughs> So I want to talk to you about this today. I, I believe that revival starts in you, church individual. So when you assemble yourself, how do you come? When we assemble. So in the church at Dave Hall, sitting next to the church at Danham, and Donna Hall, and Timothy Minahan, and Taylor Bowen, and all of you sweethearts whose names I don't yet know, Mary, Elspeth, and Cheryl, when I go to their churches, when we're, when we're together, when we're assembled together, how do we come? This is, I've never preached on this, and I want to talk to you in my closing few minutes on, on how do you come to church? Some of you might have come by bike. We're not getting into the specifics. On foot. I'm not talking physically how you came. I'm, I'm, I want to know how you come into church in your heart. Let me say this about assembling together. There are things that happen in an atmosphere like this. But I believe there are healings and miracles that happen in church that maybe you don't even know about. Maybe there's just something that's just gone wrong in your physical body that you still haven't realized has happened. And just being under the anointing of God, there's an adjustment. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if you haven't been at church for a while that you're susceptible to sickness. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't hear that. I believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is yours by the blood of Jesus and you believe God. But maybe there's just an attitude or maybe there's a, a, a and I'm not trying to be condemnatory if that's the word or condemning, but maybe if there's some, maybe a little sinful thing that's just taken a bit of root in your heart, just a moment in the presence of God can be quenched before that thing grows and takes a hold of your life. Maybe it's, a, it's an ungodly affection towards somebody that's not your wife or your husband. It's, yeah, are you following what I'm saying? Just come into the presence of God. It's a time of adjustment. Why do we do communion nearly every Sunday? Uh, the reason is, is, I believe we come to a cup that is a cup of confrontation. And not in, a, not in a nasty way, but it's a cup of, hey, maybe there's some things we need to get right in our life. And, and let, let God uh, just, adjust. how many have ever you've looked at that cup and thought, oh, man, Father, there's some stuff I just need to bring, get right this morning. I've come to the cup and thought, man, there are some things I need to talk to the Lord about before I partake of the cup. And I do. And do you know, every single time, God does something so good because God is faithful. I really do believe that God does some things when we come into the house of God. I, I, this, is, this is really out of sort of my ideal life experience. But I'm about to share some thoughts as, as I draw to a close. I want to give you six ways to come to church. Six things maybe you should consider when you come to the house of God. And, uh, and I'm believing that God's going to speak to us this morning. I like to come to church. Number one. I like to come to church in the spirit. Revelation 1, verse 10, the word came to John on the Isle of Patmos. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. I tell you, on the Lord's day, today's the Lord's day. Back in, the, uh, back in our great-grandparents' day, they called, they called Sunday the Lord's day. Our grandparents called it the Sabbath. Our parents called it Sunday. And I believe today we're in danger of just calling it the weekend. And not realizing, hey, there's actually a portion of our week that we give to God, that we come. We come with a heart that's prepared to receive from heaven. I came to church in the Spirit. When I was driving in my car on the way to church, I was praying in the Holy Ghost, saying, God, would you move today? But God, would you speak to my heart? Would you do something in me? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Number two, how do I come to church? Come in faith. The Bible says in Matthew 18, verse 20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. John 14 tells us in verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. We come to church in the, in the Spirit and we come to church in faith. Faith, believing that God's going to do something today, in this room, in this hour, in this moment. Another way we come to church is in unity. Psalm 133 and, and verse 1, Oh, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. For there, what does the Lord do? He commands the... He commands that. I tell you, when we get together, there's a blessing that comes with getting together in the house of God. Acts 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they're all with one accord in one place. And suddenly the power of the Holy Spirit fell, the person of the Holy Spirit fell. Number four, how do we come to church? We come in worship. Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. Some of the melody is just not in your heart anymore. Some of you, there's just not that joy. You know one thing I want our church to be? Some people say, I don't want to be happy, clappy. I want to be happy, clappy. Not corny, but there's a joy when you walk in. I want my sons to not just see me worship God, but I want them to see me enjoy God. That's why I move in the music a little bit. 
Amen. When I get moving, I feel I feel like I'm, I feel like I must be having a good time because God's just, it's not even that. But I think sometimes a lot of our singing is so heavy these days. I like happy. Why? Because I want to tell God you want to and have a bit of joy and a spirit of praise in the house of God. But I want to praise God. I want to jump. I want to dance. I want to get happy and praise the name of Jesus. Oh, bless God. When's the last time you spoke to another? one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Timothy greeted me this morning. He said, hello, David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. <laughs> Great is our faithfulness, O God the Father. And then should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Mitsubishi. He's what he said. And I was like, I'm impressed. That was a psalm and a hymn and a spiritual song. Well done, Timothy. House points for Timothy. We come to church in joy. He says, for the zeal. David said, Psalm 69, it's on the zeal of your house has consumed me. I love the house of God. I don't love it more than I love Jesus. I don't love it more than I love people. But I love God's house. So when I come, I want to come with that sense, oh man, full of joy. David said, Psalm 84 verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. Elsewhere, you know where he was singing when he, when he, when he said that? He was in the old tabernacle, the tattered tabernacle of Moses that he'd somehow got his hands on. It had moth-eaten, moth destroyed, tattered thing. He puts it back up and he gets in there. Couldn't even, the anointing of God wasn't even in there. The glory had long departed from that old thing. But as he was in there, he said, man, the glory's been here. He said, I'd rather be here than spend a thousand days on the white sand of Waikiki Beach. He's a better man than me. He said, I'd rather be here than anywhere else. Does anyone feel the anointing just start to fall right there? There's a touch of God. David said, Psalm 122, said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Another, my final thought, and this is not really a, it's not really a thought from scripture. It's a thought from me. So if you disagree, you're allowed because this is not, but I also encourage you, just prepare physically and practically. You know, how many times have I been getting ready for church? I haven't picked my outfit or anything like that. Now look, is that clean? You smell it and, oh, Jesus, help me. And, and as you just can't, I, I think sometimes it's good to pick what you're going to wear the night before, get a good night's rest, and come into the presence of God fresh. Not because of the well-being of life point, but to put some value on our moment with God and what God wants to do in your heart and in your life in the name of Jesus. What kind of church am I? I pray that, I pray that I'm a healthy church, a balanced church, a loving church a clean church, a generous church, an anointed church, happy church, Pentecostal church. In Jesus' name. That's the end of my message. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. And... Let's all stand. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to dismiss you this morning. Lord God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this house by your spirit. Maybe you're in this place and you have never, ever surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never given your heart to Christ. You've never, ever bowed your knee unto God and said, God, come into my world. Wash me clean. Make me new. Maybe you're here today. You've never done that. 
Uh, Jesus loves you. He loves every person gathered here today. And uh, he has a plan for you. But maybe here today you'd say, David, I want to get my heart right with God. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to be born again. I want Christ to come into my life. I want to be saved by the grace of God. If that's you and you'd say, David, today, well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Uh, Dave, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Maybe it's uh, for the first time, or maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You've done it before. But you just feel like maybe uh, the relationship with God that you've got is just sort of thought out a bit, and it's just not really happening, and you know that you need to just get things right with God. Well, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If that's you, would you slip your hand up so I can pray for you? I don't want to embarrass you, but I'd love to give you an opportunity to find Jesus today. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au.